Mr. Pop. <laughs> Billy Joe Spears, for God's sake. I knew my brother. Yeah, who was he? Asparagus. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome. Uh, This is uh, the uh, Rock and Roll podcast. Uh, We're now in, uh, we're going global. We're going uh, intercities or intracities. My name's Kevin Hillier. I'm the host. Uh, uh, Mark Fine, of course, is one of the other parts of this, very important parts of this program. Hello, Finey. How are you going? I'm well, very well. You're working your ass off, Finey. Yes, yes. I've got the new deli. If anybody wants to pop in, it's Lenny's Fine Food because Lenny, the previous owner, built up a great name and it's down near the corner of Kuyong and Inkerman Street in Caulfield, North Caulfield. It's actually the corner of Orong Crescent in Inkerman, but you'll find us. It's the big blue corner store. Can't miss it. Oh. Mention our name and get a... Uh, a, yeah, a yeah, that's right. You mention rock and roll and you will get. I'll, I'll throw in a free drink with whatever you get, unless it's another drink. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, of course, uh, making us uh, an international uh, jet-setting location now uh, from his exotic uh, uh, resort in the on the Gold Coast, uh, the one and only Brian Mannix joins us. Good evening, gentlemen, and um, I tell you what, I'm having a lovely day today. Um, yesterday, uh, probably because of my behaviour on Friday, I was coming down like a ton of shit and was so depressed. I wished I hadn't sold my house in Airport West. But um, that's just, you know, everybody's scared to make a change. But today I can see the future, so it's okay. It's good. But, you know, been having my ups and downs here, it's been a little bit tricky. But, um, no, it's going to be okay, but it's just some days you're going to be a little bit down and sort of go, oh, geez, what have I done? And, all of that sort of stuff, but um, today I've had a great day. Now, yeah, on, on day one, it's like on day one he wandered around in a state of depression. On day two, he got up and he wandered around again, and then he found the pub, and all was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it might go the other way. I think he might have found the pub first, and <laughs> yeah, that's true. And that was the cause for the second part of uh, of that. I, I, uh, now, by the look of you, Brian, and uh, people obviously listening to this podcast can't see you, but the hair looks like it's been in the water today. Oh yeah, yeah, and that was that was a good thing because, um, um, yeah, I was I was kind of sick all day yesterday, I, and it, and it belted rain like I've never seen. I thought I was in the Ukraine the way the thunder was going off, yeah. and um, you know, I, it was just ridiculous the rain. But it, it rains really heavily and then it stops. So then you can go out. Um, but, you know, even just watching the lightning and um, all of that stuff was was pretty cool. But, um, yeah, just, you know, once I find a place to live, that'll be great. But at the moment I'm sort of, you know, I'm not settled yet. So once I get settled I think we'll be in a far better mental space. But um, unfortunately I've got, a lot of friends up here and I've been able to catch up with all of them. I think if it was just by myself, I'd be quite depressed. But um, even though the surroundings are great, but, you know, people are what make the world great. And um, so, you know, I'm lucky I've got friends here and, you know, 
I, th- I guess you, all, as I said, you always get to have a day where you feel really down and, you know, oh, gee whiz, you know. How have the away. locals welcomed you, Brian? Oh, pretty good, actually, you know. Um, you know, everybody seems very friendly. Um, you know, a lot of them are too young to know who I am, which is fine. And, um, you know, I think I've only had to do two or three photos since I've been here. So, and that's perhaps a bit disappointing. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's all going okay. You know, like any change is hard. Yep. And, you know, um, you know, you hemorrhage a bit of money and a change, but that's okay. But, um, caught up with Kirkies and the X-Men and my mates from school and, Bonnie Gonzo's old wife, and oh, no, we're gonna be, we're gonna be fine. Just you know, you're gonna have a few ups and downs along the way. It made a, well, now I think about it, you've both had massive life changes in the last couple of weeks. You with your relocating to uh, to to Queensland and, and uh, finding a new place to live, and finding you with a completely and utterly different uh, focus in terms of your professional career, and I guess that's had a uh, also have a massive effect on your family. Yes, yes, huge. I haven't had a day off in 30. Wow. Working hard, but wow. enjoying it. Unfortunately, I haven't caught up with Lenny Gonzo's wife, but I'm planning to do that. <laughs> it's Ronnie Gonzo's wife. But, uh, it, does, it doesn't matter when it's the ex. <laughs> you, can, you can get the names wrong. As long as you catch up with somebody's ex-wife, you're, you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Gonzo. But have you had days, um, finally, when you sort of go, oh, God, what have I done? Nah, maybe I should have just played it safe and not taken the chance. Yeah, a good question. Every morning for three minutes when I get woken up at, when I wake up at 5.30 a.m., I can't do it. <laughs> but yeah. I drag my God, it's hard. And I don't really get going until... You know, once I'm in the store and, the, and you start getting busy and, and time goes so quickly, there's so much to do yeah. as the owner. A lot of customers, but there's stock and, you know, redesigning the place. It's very stimulating, but then I stay back and do stuff. I've got yeah. to say, last night, this is fair nigga, I, I got home, no, last night, I got home at 7.30 in the morning this morning and I was back at work at midday. Just before I had a sleep, I was starving, so I warmed up some food and I went to the wrong drawer to get the bowls. I haven't eaten at home for a month and a half. <laughs> wow. Goodness me. The, the, the missus moved where the big bowls were, so <laughs> things have changed. <laughs> She's moving stuff around the house to confuse you, finding. Yeah, that's right. I reckon girls do that just to make us look pathetic. Yeah, just, yeah. That, that just, and pinning up. So the whole family can see a red light camera that I went through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoops. Good ass, $454 Oh, really? 0.6 seconds. 0.6 seconds of the light and That's you got – said, yeah, on the thing, wow. $464 and four points. Four points? Yep. Is a red light four points? Yeah, apparently. Whoa, wee. That's yeah. um, that is that is ouch. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was so expensive that I went, you know, because I'm driving like three in the morning, four in the morning to, from work some nights. Yeah, 
it was so much money, 465 bucks, that I found an intersection that didn't have a camera. <laughs> and I went through the red light four times, so I felt better. <laughs> now I feel I'm only, it's only 100 bucks ago. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, it seems to be that uh, experience. I, I had a bike come to the house on Saturday to look at the cool, heating and cooling system, and what was going to be a $100 job turned out to be five times that. Oh, geez, was I thrilled. Yeah, I was oh, just lovely. thrilled I was. Just thrilled. It was great. Anyway, yeah. these things now, you will be pleased that I caught up with somebody during yes. oh, the weekend. Oh, I, I saw this and I'm very excited. Yeah, it was on the weekend. I, I stepped away from the – well, I actually finished on Saturdays a bit early and my wife comes in and gives me the Arvo off. So I thought straight down to my $2 shop then. Oh, <laughs> all right. So what <laughs> happened? He's got my number, first of all. So I walk in there and he goes, oh, the funny man is back. <laughs> Don't waste my time. This is a place of business. Why don't you go to TAB? Or better for you, next door is the poker machines. That is better for you. I said, beg your pardon. He said, I'm a busy man. I have a family to feed. Please do not come and disturb the customer, disturb me and my wife. Because you have it. You don't work. So it doesn't mean anything to you. I said, I do work. He goes, oh. Then he says something, tried to say, oh, and then she says something back. I said, what did she say? Same as every time. He crazy, tell him to go away. <laughs> said, oh, this isn't going well. I said, look, look, I come here. Look, I know I've been mucking around, but I want to tell you that you've got a bit of fame. Yeah, I don't think you knew what I was talking about at all. I said, look, I do a podcast. And I sort of talk about when I come in the shop and people like it. Goes, what do you talk about me? Who to? <laughs> I said, don't worry, it's not the tax department, mate. I said, I do a podcast. He goes, oh, podcast? How many people listen to that one? I said, oh, I don't know, thousands. He goes, actually, every week we listen to podcasts from People's Republic of China. Sometimes it has President Lee on it. He has 750 million listeners. <laughs> 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 well, I couldn't really argue with that, could I? I said, no. look, there's thousands of people. They live in Melbourne, a lot of them, and why not? I, I could. It's not bad promotion for your shop. I could talk about what we sell here. It, yeah, it's a funny story. It's, it's, I'm telling you to not make fun in this shop anymore. <laughs> I said, look, you get free promotion. He goes, go on. <laughs> so I told him, look, we could create an interesting story where I'd purchase something. So if you want to advertise some of your products, and then his wife goes, <laughs> and I said, hang on, I think I'm starting to pick up Mandarin. She said, he's crazy. <laughs> Tell him to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to say, what the hell does that mean? But yeah, thank you. He go, and the guy goes, yeah, well, don't worry about that. So, all right, give me an example. I said, look, I could come in and say I wanted uh, – uh, ukulele. I wanted to get him on the ukulele. He goes, no, 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 that's stupid. That was you making joke of me. So he goes, no, no, this is a better idea. You come in to say you are moving into a new house and you need cutlery, crockery, a rice cooker, or everything from the kitchen we have. 
if we can do all the setting for you. I said, I might have, you know, I'll even say, Sierra, where do, where do you reckon I'm moving if I'm buying your stuff? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I said, look, it's going to be a funny story. He goes, that's what I'm saying. You make a joke of here. <laughs> All right, how about this story? You leave now and go to bed. <laughs> I said, you're missing a great opportunity. He goes, you are wasting my time. But most important, I say you waste your time. You should get a job. I work seven days a week. I work very hard. Always here. You see that? I said, you know what? I've got a business where I work seven days a week. And I'm always there as well. And he goes, ah! Make me laugh, <laughs> <laughs> and with that I left. <laughs> oh, I thought you're a, one moment there. I thought you were going to be banned from the shop. Oh no, no! But he found it very funny that I claimed that I worked seven days a week. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really funny. Go. He's got you tabbed as a uh, as a bum that goes to the TAB, and and, and I, uh, yeah, absolutely. But he he. he wanted me to lose more money. I think pocket machine is better for you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Oh, thanks for that tip. He, he should have offered to uh, escort his, uh, take his wife to the poker machines because she likes them. She hates me. <laughs> and and you've garnered this how? Uh, look, I think he quite likes when I come. He, was, he always smiles. You know, he's up for, he's up for it. Yeah. As long as there's not another customer within a mile of the store. Yeah. But um, but she hates me. She <laughs> gives me this look like it's it's like, you know what she thinks? I know what she's thinking. Yeah, and all the well, time you've been here, all you've done is ever bought a $5 ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> you had a lot of mileage out of her, a lot of time and mileage out of her husband for a $5 yeah. ukulele. He was very offended when I suggested. Oh, I said to him, "What do you think I'm moving into a a, a dollhouse? What, what am I going to do with your cutlery and crockery?" <laughs> oh, thank your pardon. He got so upset. Anyhow, uh, I, I, I can't. I don't know where I can take it from here. Oh, I do know something I can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the defunct two dollars shops across the road has reopened. I think I'll start that war again. <laughs> I bet, I bet there's no ten dollar haircut. I was going to no, say smaller, it's a smaller premises, but um, I might go in and say he's. Oh, I'll bring all these things to the counter and go. Please, you can get that cheaper across the road. No, you cannot. <laughs> uh, well, say they've got a, next week. They've got a better maybe, brand or something. Maybe, maybe you could just ask him, show him the chart. And say, which of these songs do you like? So you can have the two dollar shop man's pick of the week. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be great. Just pick I love one you, I song. You, I love your hair too. <laughs> I love your hair too. Love your hair too. I can never live without you. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll take the chart in. Take oh, the chart in. So we get this man's. We do need to find out his name eventually, but. Um, you know, it'd be good if it's, you know, I don't know what his name might be, um, Kitsin Thong's Pick of the Week or what, something. What that, was the um, what was the name of the bloke who did Pressure Down on? Um, David Ty. That's right. It's probably David Ty. That's what he's doing these days. He's running that shop in Balaclava. No, no, this guy, I'll tell you something about this guy. Yeah. 
He went to the Kevin Bartlett School of Hairdressing. Oh, no. Oh, he's got a comb over. Look at his, oh, they haven't got a look at the comb over. Oh, God. Have either of you two ever seen a film called Love Serenade, an Australian film with Miranda Otto? No. Oh, you've got to watch it for the bloke who runs the Chinese food, <laughs> food shop. I've seen it about four times now. We watched it yesterday for our sort of Sunday afternoon date. Then we said, we've got to watch it. So we did. It's got the best soundtrack. It's got all the Barry White thing. It's about a DJ who goes from the city to the country and um, and uh, finishes up with the two sisters who live next door to him. But one of the sisters works in the local Chinese um, takeaway stroke dining restaurant. And the bloke who plays the the, um, the Chinaman, I reckon he's running the $2 shop in Balaclava. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> Why can Sherry ask me about my prawn? He never order prawn. <laughs> and every, while I was watching it yesterday, all I was thinking of was find his $2 shop, man. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's sort of... When I saw that he's got a new story, I went, oh, you beauty. Yeah, we, we, go. got an- we got another good show this oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, he's very suspicious. He who are you talking to about me? <laughs> I like, I, I like he the – really, He was really concerned. I like the big – you know, the my podcast is bigger than your podcast yeah. line of yeah. – um, <laughs> Yeah, I listen to one every week. I think 750 million people are listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there's no ads for your shop on it, mate, so you're yeah, stuck with me. Yeah, exactly right. Um, Maybe you should ask him some controversial questions like, well, how do you feel about Taiwan? <laughs> oh, yeah, is no. You know, Give us your thoughts as on. As soon as you listen to the Chinese Communist Party, oh, well, that'd go down really. <laughs> give us your thoughts on Putin. Uh, you know, anything about Vladimir Putin? Uh, give us, give us yeah. a little yeah. bit on that. Oh yeah, I'm he could sure be our age. political correspondent. Oh yeah, he, he he believes I am a complete idiot. By the way, <laughs> no, I reckon and, he... and a liar. Oh, oh, yeah. oh seven day a week. Now I love you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'll be funny. I hope he comes into your deli at some stage because you'll get the shock of his life when he sees you behind the jump. Oh. <laughs> the deli doesn't look like much. Oh, this is a business, is it? Where is your stock? <laughs> Why do you not have aisles and aisles full of stock? <laughs> you got good where stuff. Where is your? Where, I can't see your cans of spray paint. The local <laughs> local youth come in and buy that one all the time. <laughs> the local youth. <laughs> ah, goodness me! Where is your sombrero section? <laughs> And I see you do not have your ukulele lesson. Very good. Lovely. All right. Now I don't. More of him. I'll find out his name next week. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, more the adventures of Finey in the $2 shop to continue. Um, Uh, Yeah, I've got an idea actually. I'm going to ask him out for lunch. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. It would be good. I think you should just record bits of it and then you can yeah, send it to Kevin. You and can't can cut do it that in. to people. You can't record no, I'll people. Ask, I'll ask you if he'll, he will not, he's not particularly supportive of me at the moment, but I'll win him over. Yeah. You just oh, bide sure your time. You Take will. it, uh, uh, you know, surreptitiously worm, uh, ease your way, not worm, ease yeah, your way the big into it. I could easily curry favour by buying things, but. 
then we lose the dynamic. I have to pretend I'm going to buy things yeah. to get him excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like um, the two, you know, the male and female in moonlighting. The minute that they actually did it, it was like, oh well, now there's no point. Yeah, correct, yeah. exactly. Right. While the tease and the and all that was going on, it was great. But then the minute yeah, they did it, it was exactly like, exactly oh. right. Yeah, okay. we're not we're, we're not up to what? that series. When he runs out of sombreros, because oh, the only place I want to buy a sombrero is from a Chinese man in a $2 shop. But when he runs out, you've got to go in and say, look, I'll have seven sombreros, please, and he doesn't have them. <laughs> yeah, it'll look like he doesn't have them. Just a moment. I go back to the stock section. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what colour do you want? <laughs> 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 we got to be an orange black. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's no beating him on stock. Yeah. I, 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 I saw a picture the other day of somebody that had a sombrero in the house and they were using it, you know, like a fruit bowl around the, um, around <laughs> oh, the right. sombrero. And I thought, well, there is a practical use for the sombrero apart from oh, the sun. I thought they were only – no, I thought they were only bought to be – Hung up on the walls at Taco Bills. Yeah, that's that's about it. That's about the only place you see them. But you're going to see a lot of them in Queensland, Brian, when the in the summertime. Trust me. I'm going to get one as soon. As I'm coming back to Melbourne on Friday. I might make a trip up to our our Chinese man's two dollar shop and pick up a couple of sombreros for me and Lucky Phil and Joe and. <laughs> Phil's wife, and maybe even one for Ellery's baby, because everybody needs a sombrero. Right. It's not called the $2 shop, by the way. I did check out the name of the shop. What is it? Discount Bargains. Ah, of course it is. You know what you're getting. That covers everything, doesn't it? Discount Bargains. bargains. (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, I would have been fighting them off at the – the naming rights sponsorship of that name. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. They would have been. He, he hasn't registered that name. There's no, no way. They prepared to register that. Yes, exactly. A bargain shop. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now I'm doing. We we a couple of things we have to talk about, and uh, they're not. Uh, they're, Some they're, sad they're, things. Yeah, they are. They're, they're they're horrible. It's been it's been horrible. Um, Watching it and listening to it and discovering it at the start and the and the the deaths of Rod Marsh and uh, and Shane Warne were just bloody poleaxing to be honest, just absolutely horrible. And there's no no sort of you know no cute way of sort of saying it. it is just it's been absolutely devastating. I have a couple of mates of mine who are pretty close to you know both of them or, or, or singularly one of the other uh, just been really hard for them. They were struggling. Finally, um. So, man who wrote the encyclopedia of uh, of cricketers, um, you know only too well about these two blokes. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with Swampy or Iron Gloves, Rod Marsh. Yep. I mean, people don't realise now because we've favoured batting keepers over genuine keepers for a while. That from the period Rod Marsh and those preceding him, the best keeper in Australia was the Australian wicketkeeper, and for good reason, because yep. you need to make the best of every opportunity given. And he came into the team. You don't earn the nickname Iron Gloves without dropping a few. So they took a real punch on him, and he ended up becoming the first Australian wicketkeeper to hit a tonne. He was a great, lusty, cross-the-line, lower-order batsman, but he was almost the he was almost the barometer, the the... Or the let, let's call him, let's call him the 
the um, the additive that made the meal. He was the when when he became part of the team. The team, along with Doug Walters, and then the influence of them through Ian Chappell. We see Greg Chappell was very different to Ian. It, the team became far more Australian, far more Larrikin-like. Dennis Lillian, Jeff Thompson, Walters, Walker. But Marsh really sort of was the constant and, and almost preceded them and they outlasted them. So this very Australian team, which in the end might have taken it a bit too far um, with their antics, you know, beer drinking on the way to England and some of it was a bit self-indulgent, but by crikey, I think we all loved and identified when that team became truly Aussie, and I, I, I would hand Marsh the reins on that score. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that team was actually a bit like a rock band, actually. Um, Correct. Yeah, an Aussie str- rock band. Strong, in, strong individuals making up a great team, but um, each one had a great personality, and um, and I think you know over the last. You know, it's not bad now, but we've had a lot of players that, you know, they do the job, but there's no sort of personality or character there. But um, back in them days, um, that was just great. You just loved them all, like Lily and, you know, Marsh. And and Marsh was great. You know, sometimes we'd be in a bit of trouble and he'd just come out and he'd whack out 40 and sort of half save the day and... um, you know, yeah, and he had a moustache, which is what we wanted from our cricket players <laughs> back then. Um, but, yeah, yeah, a great man. Apparently did a lot of great stuff uh, in the development of young players and stuff. So he's, his good influence on cricket went well beyond his playing years. Yep. Yeah, and, and a couple of things about him. First of all, as a player, you see now with the advent of 2020 cricket and small grounds and incredibly powerful bats, a six is nothing. Uh, you know, I've seen players, they now block the ball. <laughs> they just sort of block, lift it over cover for six. Mm. Right? Yep. He played in a different era where a six was a real rarity and a treat for a, a cricket fan. So, you know, you go to the whole day of test cricket, you would rarely see a six, but when you did, it was most exciting and he fulfilled that role on a number of occasions so it's hugely exciting to watch him bat and also we shouldn't forget that he was an original part of the Channel 9 cricket commentary team post World Series I forgot that yeah but he, he, I can't remember the actual incident but he was blatantly honest about something and then got fired and never worked again as a commentator well, how did Ian Chappell survive after his Wide World of Sports series? Oh, yeah, no, he didn't swear and he said something derogatory about the commentary, about the Channel 9 coverage. Oh. Yeah, I think And that was, was worse than going, Jesus Christ, on um, yeah, national yeah, yeah. TV. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, oh, don't worry. If Tony Gregg could survive what he said, remember what yeah. he said? No. You're talking oh, about the, the, uh, the wedding at the back of the... Um... About that one in Adelaide. Yep. Yeah, they're in Adelaide, and the they or Perth or Adelaide, <laughs> and they pan around. <laughs> There's a they show a wedding in progress, and it's an Australian guy apparently with an 
a, a young Asian woman is about to be married, and he didn't know it was on air. <laughs> he goes, looks like they've flown the bride in. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah, he, uh, he, uh, how he got away with that one, I'll never know. And there's quite a few. <laughs> you believe he said that? There was there was uh, there was a naturalness about um, that era of cricketer in, in both the way they played and the way that they carried themselves. It was before all these, and you know I've done media training with with um, people in sport, and so have you finding I'm sure. Um, yeah. Before any of that started, when they just they were who they were, and they were interviewed. They weren't part of commentary teams and that in those days. They were just interviewed and they were natural and they reacted naturally and they they weren't polished or any of that stuff that they are these days. And as you quite rightly point out, they played with bats that weren't 75 feet thick and, you know, you touch it and it's six. They played the, the game on bigger grounds. Um, there was a real naturalness about everything they did that, that endeared them to us because they were like us. They were more like us than a lot of the current-day players are who are now polished media performers you know, um, how now brown cows speak lovely and do all that stuff, whereas these blokes are a bit rough around the edges, and we love that about them. Um, and they were a bit like a gang. Yeah, they that, were. You had a bunch <laughs> of larrikins, and yeah. you just don't think that they would have got intimidated by any team, and they had those really skinny bats, as you both say, so it was a lot harder to, to bat as well because the bats were a lot thinner was these days the thing. But, um, you know, I, I always felt that that team felt tough. And I think if you're in a sporting team, you you want to feel tough. You yep. want to know that you've got a couple of thugs in the band that, that are going to sort of, you know, not take any shit. And um, I reckon most of the people in that um, team were really tough. I spoke to a, a girl not so long ago who um, she had sex with a few of the cricketers, oh, yes. and um, apparently Tomo, well, watch out, Tomo was pretty good. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That's good insight. Yeah, and, yes. uh, and, and don't forget this. This is very important when you talk about that era. Mm. They played against the West Indies when the West Indies were simply magnificent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They played against... Pakistan, when the Pakistan team included Imran Khan, Zahira Bas, Asif Iqbal, Mushtaq Muhammad, Sadiq Muhammad, they were a very, very good team. Well, yeah, they were. They played against the New Zealanders when the New Zealanders had Turner, Richard Hadley, a number of good players. Crow. Maybe not Crow yet, but oh, okay. Captain Congdon, Howarth, but certainly Richard Hadley on his own was an enormously difficult opponent. They played against England when, you know, we, we might have betted England, but believe me, it was the start of both of them. You had Bob Willis, you had the likes of David Gower, Graham Gooch, a very good team as well. And, of course, there was no South Africa, but they played against him in, them in World Series cricket and had to play against the likes of Garth LaRue, Proctor, Barlow, Clive Rice. They played cricket at its highest point, its proudest point. And they were the you – now, I think they were the best. Not 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 unreservedly, but I think they were the best team of that era. Maybe the West Indies. An argument could be had either way. But, yeah, yeah they certainly played when it was red hot. Yeah. Yeah, every team was real good back yeah. then. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, winning – whereas I suppose with the Steve Waugh team where we won on uh, 21 in a row – 
um, you know, like we were just so superior to everybody that um, it, it wasn't as enticing perhaps. Look, I loved watching Australia win, but with the the Rod Marsh in Chapel version and Dennis Lilly Tomo version of the team, it was like, well, we've got some really good armour here and some really good ammo, but, you know, we might not win. And um, But, yeah, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just old and being nostalgic, but I loved that team with because everybody in it was some kind of character and had some kind of personality. Yeah. Yep. And they were good. And the other yep. one that passed away, of course, was was Shane Warne, and uh, he was oh. he was he would have fitted into that Ian Chapel team uh, like a glove. Yep, um, I couldn't believe it when I heard it. Um, I thought there's got to be a mistake. Um, you know, um, I thought, oh, you know, is this a drug related thing? And clearly, it's not, um, and maybe it's two packs of smokes a day. Um, but I was devastated. It just, you know, the guy's eight years younger than me. Um, what a great Australian, what a great knockabout bloke who inspired us and entertained us for years and years. And even when he stopped um, playing cricket, he still entertained us. I was lucky to meet him. And um, You met him at, um, like at a- Sam's wife's wake, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, just a really... Really nice bloke, and I loved all his adventures. I loved it when he was doing the fingers up after they won whatever they won and um, the fact that he'd only eat baked beans and stuff. He was just, you know, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but he was a overweight smoker, and there's not often you get a fair dinkum, one of the best leg spinner in the world or the best sportsman in the world that um, – Overweight and likes a fag. <laughs> you know, you can't get more Australian than that. What a bloke. And um, yeah, I feel really sad for Simone and his kids and for all Australians because it's a really great loss. It's like losing Gadinsky or Glenn Wheatley. It's right up there. And, um, and the way I was feeling yesterday, these things come in three. So we lost Rod Marsh and we lost Warney. And yesterday I was thinking, yeah. I'm going to die today. They go in threes, but, you know, I was depressed yesterday, but I'm yeah, not today. You're not today. But uh, I'm absolutely devastated that um, somebody that was just so entertaining and inspiring has had his life cut short. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's terrible. But um, I'll let you guys talk now. Finally, you would have had, uh, I mean, through St Kilda, which is obviously a great passion of his, and he played there and got the, uh, no, you're not good enough, son, uh, off you go. And cricket was... Very fortunate that that happened. Um, what were your dealings with him? Yeah, I went to the football with him three times. Yep. As a guest, you know, with him and Darren Berry and Gilbo and once just with Darren and him and a couple of other people. They're great mates with Darren Berry, of course. Yep. First of all, that you hear a lot of people talk about him and everything is very, very much <laughs> straight up true. First of all, ridiculously generous to the point of difficult. Twice went out for dinner with him afterwards and there were a group of people and I don't know him that well and there are others who knew him even less well. And both times the men, the bill came and it was already paid for. Now, he didn't have to do that. He shouldn't have done that, to mm. be honest. 
just just not, that was not you know he wasn't hosting us or anything like that, but generous beyond beyond normal, and absolutely straight through to what you got, what you saw you got. So back then I liked liked a cigarette, so he had all these hidden places at Marvel or whatever it was called then oh, to go yeah. and have a cigarette. Our special little nooks and crannies. Had a number of cigarettes with him. The first cigarette I had with him, he, he gave me a cigarette, and it was a bloody Dunhill Red, which was an incredibly strong cigarette, and I couldn't <laughs> smoke it. And I go, what are you doing smoking these? He goes, try about <coughs> 40 overs in India in 40-degree heat and smoking two packs of those, see how you get on. I said, I don't think I'll get on. He goes, <laughs> if you don't like him, just don't draw back. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not going to help but um, but from a cricketing, from a sports perspective, just to put him to quantify him, and this is a case with many sports people. It reminds me a bit of Tony Lockett. You talk about Tony Lockett's career; the numbers are great. But there was a Tony Lockett. Tony Lockett got seriously injured against the Bulldogs. Remember? Do you know that game? Where he broke an ankle, and he never was quite the same because yeah. he put on weight afterwards. But Tony Lockett just before that, in his prime of age, it's what the English call in their pomp. Now, there was a time before his shoulder injury and then suspension for the use of diuretics where Shane Warne was right. He was in his pomp. Now, he was brilliant all the time. But at that point, he was so strong through the shoulders and wrist and upper body and he had such control over the ball that was the period when he could make the ball bend in the air towards the batsman, dip, and then spin away as a stock ball. Ridiculous. Mm. And everything thereafter was, was suicidal. Now, the other thing with Shane Warne, I had a great, I had a very special moment with Shane Warne. Yeah, that suspension for diuretics was how long? Two years, a year and a half or something? I think it was yeah, a year and a bit. His first, do you know what, his first public, so he'd been training a lot, whatever, but he had to, he, when the, the day it was over, he had to appear before the cameras. And he had set up to have a bowl at the Monash Centre. And I don't know why, I think it was about the time he was on Captain Kim. Do you know, you know he was on Captain <laughs> Kim? Yes. Yeah, because he was, he was going to marry uh, Magda, Magda Shabansky. Yeah, 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 he was a Shane Ward impersonator. That's right. Um, but, it, but he played the same Warner impersonator, is that right? Yeah, yeah he was the Warner impersonator. <laughs> you don't look much like him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so he'd organised to make his public comeback, bowling to um, Glenn Robbins and Gilbo. Oh, and they both said, look, we're not much cricketers. And Gilbo goes, my mate, fine, he's a decent player. So a couple of promo shots for the TV for Gilbo and Glenn padding up or whatever. They didn't really face him Paul. And then I faced him for 20 minutes. Oh, wow. First of all, he, he grabbed those balls. You know in an indoor centre they've got those stupid yellow balls? Yes. Right. So he could make one and then pick on a length and hit the side net. Yeah. I'll wow. bet he could. He said, look how stupid these are. Yes. All right. So I was playing him. I was playing cricket back then. I was playing all right. I played him all right. And he tried a wrong one and I 
No, I, I, I sort of picked it, th- it through the air just the way it spun, and I smashed it back with a squeeze. Oh. And he goes, good shot, well played. Wow, that's a great moment for you. Yeah, and I was playing him, you know, playing another ball, another ball, and then he bowled another sh- a short ball. And I went back to, play, to try and emulate my shot. And said, this was the one that shoots through. This was the Zooter or whatever. Yeah. It has hit me three inches above the ankle. Square. I looked at him and I said, that's the plumbest I've ever been in cricket. <laughs> and he, goes, he, goes, he goes, I wouldn't have even appealed fine. Because <laughs> uh, that's why the Zoom is the one where it doesn't spin, but when it hits the ground, it goes yeah. faster into the, into the pads. Faster, yeah, bowl. yeah, yeah. It's a ridiculously good ball, ball for a leg spin. Anybody to have but a leg spinning, you know, because you see that your eyes light up because it bounces in four territory. Yeah, especially when he's given you one earlier that you think you've picked. Well, he's given you that one for four. That was a, that was to get you confident. That, that was that was you know the spider welcoming the fly into the parlour. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, and how many days, you know, cricket test matches where oh, we're going to get nine wickets on the last day and he'd get eight of them and we'd win. You could just, because the pitch is going to be turning, so don't worry about it. Warney can take out eight wickets or seven wickets in a day So you know last those days, day. those days, Brian, I know, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. How about the ridiculous first six overs where they bowl? I mean, McGrath was a great bowler with him, but they give Stuart Clark three overs or Gillespie, and you're thinking, all right, yeah, I know what you're Let's get on with it. Everybody in the whole planet knows Warney's there. Warney's the man. But they yeah. always would give the medium paces or the quicks like the first four or five overs. Right. And you'd think, come on, get on with it. Bring <laughs> on the man. Yeah. Is that to get their confidence up and then right oh, over to get the shot the ball Warnie. or I think Warney liked liked coming on as being you know, the hero. Being brought up as the as the hero, not sort of yeah. starting off necessarily. But and I'll make one final observation, boys, and I've worked this out myself, so it's not a scoop, it's a thing. Mm. And it's kind of spooky. And you want to know what it is? Go on. In the three, within the last two and a half years, three people have died prematurely, shockingly, and sadly of uh, suspected heart attacks, or you know that, in a very similar way to sadly the way Shane has passed away. Yeah, they were at the age of I don't know what all the ages, but they were in order: Abdul Kadir, the leg spinner who was the greatest of his time and Warney described as his inspiration. Dean Jones, Victoria's finest test player of my lifetime prior to Warney and highly controversial. And Michael Gadinsky, a hugely public St Kilda supporter. Now, you add Abdul Qadir, Dean Jones and Michael Gadinsky together and you only get one person, sadly. Yeah. Those three guys equal Shane Warne, the great leggy, the mighty Victorian cricketer, and the Madsen Hilda supporter. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's spooky. Yeah, it is a bit spooky. Very sad. And, uh, yeah, as as you said, feel for his kids and his, his, his close friends. And, he, 
you know, uh, I, I sent one of his close friends a text message yesterday and said, I know you're doing it tough, I hope you're all right. And he sent me back one saying it's been a really shitty 24 hours, but, you know, we'll we'll soldier on. So, yeah, it, it, it still, I still must admit, it still seems like a dream. It still seems. It is surreal, isn't it? Yep. It is. You're right, you hear famous people passing away, but Shane Warne, you know, I expect yeah. to turn on the cricket and hear him commentating and, you know, just some bits and pieces in the paper. Some of it, you, you, you're laughing a bit at him, you know. I mean, he, he certainly posts cricket an interesting sort of character in terms of his own vanity, let's yeah. call it that. Yep. But it's it, but never, ever bothered him. Just <laughs> did not care what people thought. And made, well, made him look particularly healthy, by the way. And one thing we don't know, people say, oh, it came out of nowhere. You don't know. Men are very, very poor at exposing health concerns. And he might have had some chest pains and some warnings and, and written them off as muscular or something. I mean, that's what men do, don't they? Or don't we? Yeah, we do. So, so that, that, you know, you just wonder on that score. But I'm left with one word. And, you, you know, he made a test. He always wanted to hit 100. Yeah. In the test match. <laughs> And he made 99. Yep. And then he's out caught. But the replay shows that it was a no ball. Unfortunately, back then, you weren't able to be recalled on a replay for a no ball. So I get the, the same word that I use then, I use now, robbed. Yep. That, that's how I feel about warning. Yep. And, and I feel forewarning, robbed. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely, ninety nine and hits that. And why were they filming the front foot of the bowler if they weren't using it? That's what I, I didn't understand now, and I don't I didn't understand it then. Yeah, they just had footage of it. Yeah. Don't know. ridiculous. Um, my warning stories about Merv and uh, Merv bringing him down to uh, the Royal and Ancient Werribee. We used to play with Merv every Tuesday, just about. We'd play golf once a week and. So Merv turns up this day and says, oh, I've invited a couple of blokes. Oh, okay, that's fine, Merv, because me and a truck driver and my mate the butcher. And um, so we said, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hit off the tees at the start and, and then we'll, we'll all play as a group of five or six or whatever it is. So, so Merv turns up with this bloke and his brother, Warnie and his brother. Um, they broke the dress code. I can't remember if he had a – if I think Jason might have had a, a, a top with no collar on and I think Warnie had tracky dacks on or other way round, one or the other. One had a good top and a bad bottom. One had a – you know, the other. Um, so they get on the golf course. They're chain smoking. They've got rats' tails. They're bogan. They, it's just – I said to him, who the hell is this bloke? He said, mate, you don't know him now, but you will. Trust me, he goes all right. I said, Okay. So we talked to him around the golf course. He came and played with us a couple of times, and he, you know, just thought he was a terrific bloke, and uh, and uh, that never changed throughout uh, throughout all the years. So very sad that uh, that he is passed, and the state funeral will be on soon. We don't we don't know when, but the family will have a service before that. And I think every man and his dog has been on social media posting a photo of them with Warney and their Warney story. So um, he touched so many people. Uh, one of those things, and again, it still feels. Not quite real. I was listening to um, Sam Newman talk about him on Sky News with Rita Panahaya or whatever her name is. Rita Panahi. Uh, yeah, and um, she spoke beautifully. He, um, you know, he had to be careful not to get too emotional, but um, I thought his words were beautiful yeah. and um, he summed it up really well. And um, 
stood on your Sam, and he was talking about when Amanda, his wife, died, and you know, he said that you know, Warney's as busy as hell, but he said Warney rang him and said, "Look, if you need anything, and you're just going to make time for Sam." And um, I think that says a lot. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And there'll be there'll be hundreds of those stories about him. All right, boys, uh, okay. sad as that is, let's move on and uh, and go to our chart. We're going to March 12, 1976. Where were you, Mr. Fine? Oh, gee, I was only 11, 10 years old. Probably playing a, a pre-season match for Little League football, which I love. <laughs> uh, you probably would have been. Where were you, Mr. Mannix, on Mar- in March 1976, would you reckon? Um, I reckon I was in Form 4, or Year 10 as they call it, mm-hmm. and uh, Brother Heslin took a bit of a fancy to me and always wanted oh. to um, – he wanted to uh, make sure my shirt was tucked in and see what was in my pockets. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, probably inappropriate by today's standard. Oh, inappropriate but, uh, by any day's standard. Don't worry about that. Jeez. Kevin. <laughs> yes. What am I hearing in the background? That's the people on the balcony where Brian is uh, having a chat. I just told him to be quiet. Tell him to shut up. <laughs> uh, very nice. All right, let's uh, let's jump into this chart. March 1976. I was doing nights at 4OP in Brisbane, so I played all these songs. Oh, and I didn't like a lot of them. I, I liked a lot of them, but I didn't like a lot of them. Uh, so let's start finding. Give us your number three, good and bad, from March 1976. All right, my number three, bad, is a song by Billy Joe Spears. Oh yes. <laughs> now look, if you want, if you want to get the former Lake country song, this is the rhythm. You know, it's just that that obvious. I got my fist in the honey. <laughs> it's got blanket on the ground. Something about a blanket on the ground. God, it's a nothing song. It is. It's a horrible song, and she sings it just like a country bumpkin. It did. It, it. You're right. It's the uh, the poster girl for the country songs. Yep. Very happy. And they're going to name Billy Joe Spears for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yep. I knew her brother actually. Yeah. Who was he? Asparagus. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, now, number three, good, because there are some goodies in here. Oh, there's a lot of goodies in here. Don't worry about that. You have to sort through it. And I'm going to go. I'm going to head across the ditch Ooh. to New Zealand. Ooh. Trying I to find a New Zealand. I think it's New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've lost him again. I'm going to have to do the phone. No. No, no, I'm here. Oh, you are here. Okay, so what oh, was the... Oh, yes, no, I'm just letting you, giving you some thinking time. Oh, well, I'm trying to find... I'm looking down the list and trying to find a New Zealander, and I can't... Uh, I can't find a... Oh, hang on. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Sorry. Who have you got? 36. Correct. Maxi Merritt. And the Meteor. Yes. away. Yes. Great song. Nothing wrong with Max. Yeah. Nothing wrong with a bit of Max Merritt. No, I agree. Stewie Spears the drummer. Remember Stewie Spears the drummer? He looked he like a ghost brother. He looked like a koala bear. <laughs> he did. <laughs> was, was he related to Billy Joe? No, no. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You've got Stewie Spears on drums, and you have got uh, Billy Joe Spears on the other one. I did, uh, that. Uh, that's Freudian. That that's there's something strange about that, but. 
That's spooky. That is uh, number three. Good and bad, Mister Mannix. What are you? What are you dishing up for me? Well, look, I really found it hard to find a bad one on this one. Um, I could just go six good ones. I thought they were all pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did decide that Moni Honey by uh, the Bay City Rollers is an absolute stinker. Yep. So uh, they they couldn't really play very well. And, um, yeah, no, nah, this – Look, you know, I know they made a lot of people happy. Um, you know what they say about the Bay City Rollers, four poofs and a les. I don't know whether that's true or not. But um, poor old les, les had a woody. And, uh, yes, then, yes, then, we knew all the day. There you go. But, um, yeah, not um, not a great song. But there's so many great songs here. It's, it's really hard for me to pick what is great. But mm-hmm. I'm going to go with um, number number. Uh, where is it? Um, it's um, it's um, uh, yeah. It's number thirty-one. Thirty-one. Uh, the Ron Brassy number. Oh yeah, great song. Alice, Alice Cooper, "Only Woman Bleeds" um, by Alice Cooper, and you know what a gutsy lyric to write. Yep. You know, because nobody discussed periods in them in them days. Not that this song is about a period, but it kind of references it. But um, yeah, it was. Here's a bloke, you know, really looking at life from a female perspective, and um, you know, it's not something you expect from Alice Cooper. But, no, musically, uh, it was a big, uh, big sort of uh, risk for him as well. Oh, look, and it got radio airplay and it offended a lot of people, which is obviously good. The worst thing about this song was that John Farnham decided to cover it on an album and it's like there was just no need. Uh, Did he? I don't remember that. Oh, okay. I think it it might be on the Chain Reaction album. But, um, yeah, um, yeah, not great. But um, Only Women Bleed, I think it was courageous. I think it was brave. I think it's a beautiful ballad. And um, addresses issues that um, no other song was addressing at the time. You know, it's about domestic violence. It's about, you know, the hardship for women. And um, all I can say is go, Alice, you beauty. Yep, I agree. Alice, uh, terrific. That's a great song. Uh, Now, my number three, Bad, is, uh, well, it it might as well be a Bay City Rollers song because it's written by the blokes who wrote all the Bay City Rollers hits and performed by a band who have about as much musical ability as the Bay City Rollers. They were called Kenny and the song was called Julianne and it is absolutely bloody horrible. Even that bird that's screeching in the background hates it. Um, Yeah, you've upset the native wildlife now, Jeff. Yeah, hang on. The wildlife on the Gold Coast doesn't sound like that. I used to I used to knock around there. Uh, and my number three good easily had Alice Cooper in there because I love Alice Cooper, but I'm going to stick uh, Take It to the Limit by the Eagles in there because it was a bit yeah. different. Uh, terrific vocal performance by Randy Meissner, the bass guitarist, the only song that I can remember him singing a, a lead uh, a lead thing on and a really good song just a little slightly different from the Eagles and uh, and a really good vocal and really good song I enjoyed playing that one on the radio I must admit and I don't hear it played these days at all which is quite strange right O'Fani what have we got at number two 
Okay, now for my number two bad, I was gazumped, but I'm happy to be gazumped. Mm-hmm. With Julianne oh. by Kenny. <laughs> Unthinkable Drek. I mean, just a horrible song. And I mean, they're supposed to be a glam rock band, but they just obviously couldn't churn out anything but nothing. Yes. Did you, did you look at the clip? Yeah, yeah. God, it's awful, isn't it? Yes, it is awful. Oh, it's oh, unbelievable. I can't believe that they actually they got a record deal and, and got released and, and sold copies of it. Yeah, well... Wait for number one. My number. <laughs> I mean, there's so many good songs on this. Yeah, there are. I, I was really tempted to put Sister Golden Hair. Really. <coughs> oh, I love Sister Golden Hair. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Is that is that was that Bindi Irwin talking there? Was it up on the, <laughs> up, the up in the wildlife park? <laughs> uh, could be. Uh, I'll go for the crocodiles up there. Um, <laughs> I've gone for ACDC TNT. Oh, yes. Oh, Can't go right. wrong. Can't go Oi. wrong. Oi. Two songs yeah. in that in the, in this chart, ACDC, so they, they, were, they were banging them out then. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent song. Excellent I mean, uh, song. the obvious one is to go, it's a long way to the top, but I'm going to go TNT. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I like them both. I love them both. I think they've yeah, yeah. got they're good songs. All right, yep. Brian, number uh, number two, good. Number two, bad. Um, okay, number two, bad. And I don't even hate this either. Oh. I, I I pretty much like every song in this in this chart, but I'm going to go for number thirty eight. Thirty eight. Fly, Robin, fly. Oh, that's a piece of crap. By um, Silver uh, Convention. Who's it by? Silver Convention. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's not a bad song, but compared to all the others in this chart, it's um, it doesn't quite stand up as well as the others. But there's, I could have picked six great ones from this chart, mm-hmm. but uh, Fly Robin Fly is not one I'm going to dial up on Spotify. Okay, um, and give them half a cent for my listen. All right. <laughs> so, what's your number two? Good. Wow, gee whiz, where do you go? Um, I think we'll go for, well, somebody has to have it, um, actually. No, I'm going to go for, no, okay, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. It's, um, it's, it's just a great lyric. It's a classic song. It's one of the few songs that ACDC don't play anymore because Brian Johnson can't sing high enough to do it. No, I believe the reason is that Brian Johnson wouldn't sing it. I think it's too high for him. Yeah, but I think that also the fact that he just, from what I, I remember reading somewhere of fairly recent times that he wouldn't sing it because he said it's Bond's song. I'm not singing that. Oh, I, I heard that. It was too high. Yeah, I remember. Could I remember be. trying to trying to sing it at the uh, Roxy a few times, and I couldn't speak for four days. And when you've got a two year old daughter that you're trying to tell not to plug into the electricity, <laughs> yeah, it was quite frustrating because you got no voice. So I devoured vowed never to sing it again because it just totally thrashed my voice. Oh wow! And and I can see why. Um, because it's just screaming for me, you know. Um, I'm sure Scott Carr could just sing it with ease, but for me it was very difficult. So, um, but, you know, great lyric about the rock and roll industry and, um, you know, 
I just love it. I think it's great and um, probably one of ACDC's best songs. But as I said, I could pick another five songs in this chart. Well, I you're only going to pick great. another one. Yeah, you've only got to pick one more, so I'll get to my number two, Bad. And I have okay. a I have a litany of uh, of uh, prosecutions uh, to be had here. Um, uh, yes, I don't like the Bay City Rollers either, but uh, I'm going to jump over there. I'm going to jump over Billy Joe Spears. I'm going to go to Penny McLean with Lady Bump. God, that's an awful song. Um, uh, middle-aged kind of um, uh, girls with no rhythm shouldn't sing disco songs, and I'm afraid uh, that's exactly what Penny McLean was, and Lady Bump didn't work. Did not work on any level whatsoever. My number two good... Oh, you're right, there are hundreds to choose from. But the first time I heard this song, I thought, that's a really good song, and then it grew on me, and then it became such a big song that it became painful to listen to because you heard it so many times on the radio. But I still go back to the first couple of times I heard it, first couple of times I played on the radio, and I think Piano Man by Billy Joel is a really, really good song. Um, and he does it really well, and it set up an enormously successful career, and I think it deserves to be uh, my number two because that is still an album I, I like and still an artist I enjoy listening to lots and lots and lots of his music. So that's my number two. So, Mark Fine, Blanket on the Ground by Billy Joe Spears, Julianne by Kenny, are uh, your three, two in the bad. What's your number one? Right. Now, look – I don't know who this person is. <laughs> right. Hardly got a, a, a famous sort of um, uh, back catalogue. Margaret Roadhog. <laughs> <laughs> Roadhog. Margaret. Now you do know Roadhog. she's an Australian. Margaret Road Knight. Yes. With a song called "Girls in Our Town." Now, apparently, it was written about girls in Newcastle. It's not really a song. It's just more, you know, girls in our town leave school at 15, get pregnant and work behind the counter or at a machine. Okay, okay, okay. So you live in a town full of, you know. Check out chicks. I'm not going to say the word. But anyhow, look, look. I mean, really, Margaret. Now, I've checked out Margaret Braid Knight. Yep. And she's still performing today. I, I would say not to sell out crowds at the Sports and Entertainment Centre. <laughs> Maybe do COVID limit crowds at a phone box. But, <laughs> but she's a stayer, is our roadhog, because this came out in 76. It's her only top 40 hit. I think it reached the heights of 37. Mm-hmm. And then immediately, and probably quite, Nobly backed out of the charts out of embarrassment. So, <laughs> uh, I love, what I love about when you when you really dish someone, Tiny, is the way you distance yourself at the start. I don't know this person, but <laughs> I don't. I don't know Margaret Rose. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, uh, your number one to join uh, "Slipping Away" by Max Meredith, number three, and TNT by ACDC at number two. Number one is. Now, look, I know there are some mega songs on this top 40. Oh, you know, you've mentioned Piano Man, which I think is a great song. You know? Yep. Um, yeah, the lyrics in that, you know, and what's it, the jar, something's still killing me. You know, it's sad. It's sad, it's poignant, it's, it's, it's relatable. Yep. Um, 
And I won't, maybe somebody's going to pick the number one song as the number one song, and it's a magnificent song. But I'm going to go for a song because when I heard this song, I then really liked the artist. And maybe looking back, I don't love the artist anymore, but I still like the song. So I'm going for Love is the Drug, which I reckon is a. Yeah, it's got it's got some it's got some balls. It's got some hair on its nuts. That song. It's a really interesting song. It's a really interestingly constructed song. Love is the drug. Yeah, I say no. She say yes. Dim the lights. You can guess the rest. And and it it so suits Brian Ferry to a T. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's a, a, a it's a song that hasn't it hasn't dated at all either. I mean, it still sounds. It still sounds good now, uh, and it sounded it sounded kind of different then. I was I was singing that song to girls at the age of twelve and a half. I was I've been into girls for the best part of forty five years. Really, I I can't believe how young I started, but I was singing <laughs> "Love Is the Drug." I was uh, that was my sort of coup in the ear of my fellow grade five. Oh, really? That was your, that yeah. was your kind of pick up the chick song. Oh yeah, I had a girlfriend at 13, 12. Oh, I love girls. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. And they, 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 you know. Oh, once you get to know them, of course. But, but. <laughs> <laughs> did uh, now? I, I, I no, don't want. I don't want details. But did love is the drug singing it to a twelve or thirteen year old work? Oh yeah, oh. I got to say that we were we were far more. Yeah, we used to have parties every weekend and go to people's houses and hang out. And I've got to say that we were—I I grew up in a fairly, I don't know, maybe coming through the seventies or whatever. I don't know, mm. with, with older sisters, a fairly, um, I'll say, promiscuous era. Were you more than my kids did? Were you deflowered at a young age? Fine. Oh, I, did some, I don't know if I was deflowered. Did the Oh, pretty, pretty. I'll, I'll say it was pretty standard for that time. Sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. That's pretty normal, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think know. so. Yeah, I think so. But we were running around the bases before then. Yeah. I, I, had, <laughs> yes. a broken, I, I had a broken arm when I was thirteen, and I got a lot of sympathy from my girlfriend. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I wasn't allowed to swim, and I made a big. Song and dance about it, and she, she, made up, made me, made the summer go quickly. There you go. Uh, and on uh, "Love Is the Drug" at number one in uh, Finey from uh, March of nineteen seventy six. Right, O'Brien, uh, "Money Honey" by the Bay City Rollers, "Fly Robin Fly" by Silver Convention, and the number one bad song is. Well, I just want to comment on uh, Finey's choices oh, first. Oh God. <laughs> Love is the Drug, which was, of course, you know, a very hip song in the 70s. But, you know, once you got to the 80s and ecstasy became, drug was the love. It all turned around then. People would get on drugs and then they'd fall in love. And, of course, when the drugs wore off, well, they weren't so much in love anymore. But, you know, it was a different, it's a different world and it just goes to show you. Um, and also interesting to hear that Finey was such a gardener in his younger days, deflowering everything. So fantastic, you know. I've got a bit of I've got a bit of pruning you can do for me, mate. But, oh, uh, fantastic. <laughs> well, no, my garden's overgrown. And, this is a podcast, uh, yeah. not a dating service, Mannix. Righto. Well, <laughs> even this song. This is my number one bad. Mm-hmm. But if it came on, I wouldn't turn it off. But um, 
We got some Smokies and some plain rappers. We got a mighty convoy trucking on through the night. Huh. Okay, this is the CQ, buddy. How you doing? And that and CB radio was really big at the time. Yeah, so I think that's why um, it was such a hit, you know. Watch your 1020 and you know, a smoky and a plain rapper was a cop in a um a in an car. unmarked car. Yep. And Smoke in the Bandit, I think, was out just before this, which we all loved with Burt Reynolds and Sally Field. But um, seriously, it's not the greatest song. But I, as I said, I could have picked six good ones out of this, and I feel that I'm neglecting some beauties. Um, you know, but um, that's my number one bad. bad. Right, Convoy, I, yeah. I, I don't even think it's that bad. And um, I'm going to say this one, which I think one of you guys will say the one that, that I think is really great. No, go for um, the one you want to. Go for the one you want want to, the one you really think is the, num- the best song on this. Well, I have to give this one a mention there, but um, it's Kiss's best song. Um, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. You know, <laughs> what a great lyric. And um, I think it's Kiss at their best. And um, and the lyrics just, you know, they just reek of youth rebellion and for that reason I just love it and I still aspire to these words even today. Yep. So um, Kiss, that's it. That's it for me. I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. And you do. Still. Well, I really, I want to rock and roll all night and then sleep every day <laughs> would be a better lyric, but... Uh, no, well, I've, got, I've got a new version of that for me now. It's called I Want to Rock and Roll All Night and Wake Up the Next Morning. Well, that's an achievement within itself yes, too. Yes, that, that's, that's, what, that's what I'm pitching for these days. Uh, so uh, we finish with uh, Alice Cooper, Only Woman Bleed. It's a long way to the top and your number one is Rock and Roll All Night by Kiss. That's a pretty good threesome, Mr Mannix. Not Thank bad you. at all. My uh, three, Julianne by Kenny, Lady Bump by Penny McLean and the number one bad song on this is by this bloke called Joe Dolan, and it's called Lady in Blue, and it is awful. This is a bloke who's a European Tom Jones, who isn't. Um, he's more like a European Inglebert Humperdinck without the without the talent, without the charisma. He just had the right pants, the right body, and got a song that he'd go, Lady, and do that, and uh, have his shirt unbuttoned down to his waist and uh, fool a lot of people for a long time. It's a god-awful song, and uh, it deservedly gets my number one. My number one, uh, good, uh, Take It to the Limit by the Eagles at three, Piano Man by Billy Joel at two. None of us picked Bohemian Rhapsody. I liked it when it came out. I wasn't that big a fan of it. It's the number one song on this chart. Um, I do think, again, like a couple of songs we've talked about recently, I do think it's a great song, and it was a it was a game-changing song in so many ways, but not one that uh, – there were other Queen songs I much preferred to Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, so it doesn't make it. Ted Mulry, I, I should mention, even though I'm not going to make him number one, but I should mention Ted. Ted's two songs in here. Just two great little Aussie rock and roll songs, Jumpin' My Car and the Darktown Strutters Ball. And finally, you mentioned America, and I, I'm going to put it in at number one. Uh, probably Alice Cooper is the other one that really is very close for me, Only Women Bleed. I love Sister Golden here by America. I really liked America. Um, they were massively big in my first year in radio. Horse With No Name came out just before I started in radio and then um, on the back of that was, you know, all, all these songs, uh, Sister Golden Hair and uh, they did, they, they Muskrat Love, they did so many really good songs, Ventura Highway, I absolutely loved. 
Um, but Sister Golden here is good enough for me to be number one, just ahead of Evil Woman by ELO, which I really like, um, and Only Woman Bleed by Alice Cooper. And probably Love Hurts, the Jim Capaldi version is oh, pretty good too. Love it. Love it. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, that, that That's a good song, and uh, I must admit, uh, I like Maxine Nightingale right back where we started from. Um, I'll yeah. give you the top ten because I didn't do that uh, in this one. Number ten was Ring Ring by ABBA. Nines, I Great Write the song. Songs by Barry Manilow. See, that, no, that's a horrible song. Um, <laughs> eight is Child's Play by Sherbet, which is not a bad song. Seven, Convoy by C.W. McCall. Six was Lady in Blue by Joe Dolan. Five was I'm on Fire by 5,000 Volts. Jeez, I nearly put that in the bad. That's a shocking little song, that one. Number four is The Lies in Your Eyes by Sweet. Number three is Right Back Where We Started From by Maxine Nightingale. Number two is both versions of Love Hurts, Jim Capaldi and Nazareth. And number one is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. So it is a good chart. And there's some other really – Hurricane by Bob Dylan's in there. That was the one I was going to put in. And um, I think This Old Heart of Mine by Rod Stewart is is worth a mention. Um uh, that's see, the that, way I like it. I like but, you that. Know, it might not be. I love that. Yeah. And that's the way I like it. Like it might not be my cup of tea, but you're pissed, and that comes on the dance floor. You're up. You're gonna. You're gonna start dancing. It's yep. all good. Hold, um, Hold me close by David Essex. I like. Um, yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Love, what what love, else did you pick in there? Sign it, funny. Well, I mean, I don't look. There's a lot of good songs. You go all the way down the bottom. I mean, not that I like. Mamma Mia, um, Sailors, A Glass of Champagne, I guess if you like them, that's their song. Yeah, there's yeah. there's Mamma Mia, SOS, you know, there's, there's a bit there for ABBA fans, but I like um, Love to Love You, Babe. Yeah. Oh, Donna Summer, yeah. yeah. That's the one with, yeah, the, that's that's the, one with um, the 18-minute orgasm in it or something, isn't it? it it's the first 12-inch done by Giorgio Moroda. Yeah. And she goes off in the middle of it, uh, grunting and groaning for fifteen minutes or something. Yeah, it's a cocaine sex song. That's and actually, there's a, I've got to say, there's a song in this now. First concert I ever saw was um, I went with my sister and a friends of hers, her boyfriend, to my music bowl, yeah. and we climbed the tree outside the main. We couldn't get in. Uh-huh. We didn't have tickets, and we climbed a tree and sat in a tree. With a blanket, probably Billy Joe Spears. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we had this great spot, and I saw Wings, Paul McCartney and Wings. Magneto oh, and Titania nice. Man, yeah. And Magneto and Titania Man was – I loved it after that. It was such an exciting song, the way they played it. So I reckon it was 76 when he toured. Yeah, it was around then, yeah. definitely. I reckon it was. Um, it might have been – it wasn't Wings at the Speed of Sound. It was the one after, one after Band on the Run and the one before – Wings at the Speed of Sound, I think, um, and I can't remember what it was called. Um, yeah, that's a good song. Magneto's a good song. Golden yeah. Years by Bowie is a song that I – it's one of those songs I'd like to hear once. I don't like to hear it again and again, but once when you hear it, you go, oh, yeah, okay, that's all right. Yeah, there's a lot of good songs yeah. in this. Look, even, I, even the way I want to touch you – Oh, that's a good it, song. Well, the verse is a bit, sucked, a bit sucky, but once it gets to that chorus, you go – Wow, this is pretty. This is pretty energetic and stuff. And she got a lovely voice. A, lovely voice, Tony Tennille. Yeah, SOS by ABBA, I think, is one of their best. Um, 
Yeah, look, there was it was a really, really good chat, a really good time for music, obviously. Mm. Yeah, good time to be on the radio. It certainly was a a uh, a lot of good stuff to to be able to play. Uh, there, there was, you know, there was your blankets on the ground, but most of it was uh, <laughs> most of it was pretty good. I must admit. Well, thank you, boys. Um, we we've uh, for the purposes of uh, we've done this in two parts, but uh, it's it's been good to catch up with you both, and I want you both to stay safe and look after yourselves until we convene again in a week's time to have a chat. I'll, right. I'll, leave, I'll leave the final word to my man. Mm. Yes. <laughs> a thousand people listen. I listen to podcasts. 750 million people. <laughs> so let's not get ahead of ourselves, boys. We've got a long way until we can catch my mate Chinese podcast. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> That's why we have to get him on the show so we get 750 million people listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> he found it so funny. A thousand people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh. You have that nice voice. <laughs> oh, you know, you went well past that. Yes, yes. The pleasantries are over. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, all right, boys, take care. Talk to you next week. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. What did she say? Same as every time. He crazy. Tell him to go away. <laughs>